This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. All right, so there's no way I'm going to be able to do this right. Let's put this, we're good? Like, there's no chance that I can step into a Baral Sushun. Even when I got here, my first thought is, I don't want to be here. <laughs> my slot is Shiva Sabatamos. If you've been coming for years in the past, that's my slot. July 2nd, July 5th, first line. This is a Roy Wallerstein slot. And there's no chance in the world I'm going to say anything that he would say, because I'm not the man that he is. But I'm going to try, with Hashem's help, I'm going to try to say what I think he'd want me to say. I've been privileged to have been running around with him long enough to know what he's getting towards sometimes. And you fly around with a man for a week, for years, and you hop here and you hop here in those moments before you get up, you learn a lot about what messages he wants people to hear. So I'm going to try to say what I would think if he were here, he would say, I'd like that you said that. But in the truth, the more that I think about it, what I want to talk today about is one of the greatness of who he was. He had a lot of mythos. And he was a lot for, for different people. That's the beauty of Rory Wallerstein. Who he was for Esti was different from who he was for the world. Who he was for his daughters, who he was for his sons-in-law. Who he was, you can't take a person and put him into something. You can't take a great person and metamtim him. But still there was a mida about Ray Wallerstein that I, want, I believe today, in this period of time, very much represents him. And if we could walk away at the end of the day and take this mida that he embodied, I think that would be the greatest testament to, to him and his life. To walk away with a piece of how I think he would see the world. You know, there's a big Indian in Torah that anytime you want to learn something, you have to look for where it starts. If you, look at, if you hear people speak and you hear about people that, that write, if you read the Torahs, especially the Chesidus Torahs, you'll see that whenever something happens in the Torah the first time, it gives you clues about the word or the story or the situation forever. When you hear about Avraham and you see what happened, when you, you take a word like Shah and you see the first time it was used really by Cain and Hevel, and then later on, Yeshkona, Olam, B'Sha'achas, Rephaim, Shabir, has a whole Torah on this. Because if you see the first time something happens, it gives you a clue because origins mean a lot. It's the seed. As I was driving up here, I realized that Or Nava began on Tishabav to women. There's something about Tishabov that was the launch of a Wallerstein in his, so to speak, in this part of his life. There's something about women on Tishabov. There's some piece of what Tishabov stands for that is so core to what Rabbi Wallerstein stands for. And as I was driving up, I'm trying to get into the thing, and I think, I think I want to try to explain that. This is a very, Tishabov is a very, unsettling time. Especially if you're from like European grandparents. You know what I'm talking about? If you're from that world, we're like, you're from like that world of like, check the oven ten times. Anybody from that world? We're like, will you leave and you're driving and you get the cold. Did you lock the door? Did you lock the door? Did you lock the door? Anybody have that? Call me when you get there. Call me at every checkpoint. Yeah, anyone have to call your mom at every checkpoint going somewhere? Did anyone have moms like this? Anyone have grandparents like my grandparents who would drop them from school and then an hour later drive back and look inside to see if I was in the school, if nobody kidnapped me. Anybody have this? Anybody come from the psychonist called European grandparents? Anybody from this world? Yes. 
Baruch Hashem, we're in good company, thank God. Oh, yeah. So if you're from that world, and if you're not, it's okay too. If you're from a world of like, it'll be fine. I don't know that world, but people are from that world. They'll be, be fine. I don't have that. They'll be fine. I don't have that. Call me every 10 seconds. You're alive? You're alive? You're alive? Okay, just want to make sure you're alive. Is he breathing? Anyone, is he breathing in the back? Check if he's breathing. Anyone have that? Just check if they're breathing. Just check if they're breathing. So if you're from that world, to show up is even harder. It's like, this is like really difficult timing. Don't drive. Don't walk outside. Stay in the house. Lock the door. I'll see you by Chabas Nachamo. Right? Don't swim. Don't eat. Don't go to the grocery store. Don't put on your yarmulke. They're going to kill you on the street. They all hate you around here. Just go to the bungalow. Lock the door. Nachamu, you'll come out. You'll swim. We'll be good for good. All right? We're good? Anybody come from this planet and we're during now? You just feel uneasy the whole time. Every day of the nine, the nine days, as they say, you're expecting like, a, like the boom, 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 like in the back. The nine days. Is it? What is going on? Why does Hashem want us to feel this way? Like, what, what happened? Like, what happened? What is the whole point of getting already frazzled Jews to be more frazzled and then to get them to Tishabov, where they have to pretend to miss a building that they've never seen? Like, you ever get this experience? Where you're sitting in Tishabov and they say the big Hamidish and you're like, whatever. And then they have we have to use like recent examples of tragedy, like the Holocaust, to get any emotion out of us. Because at the end of the day, we're not really moved. What we really wanted at Tishabov is for it to be over. So we can go back to our regular lives and hear Nachmu Nachmu Ami and get whatever's left of the summer before Slichos and El. So what is going on? Because when Hashem is doing it, there's a reason for it. And if there's a reason for it, it has to be for our benefit. And if we miss it, as the tzaddikim tell us, if you go through life and you miss the points on the calendar in which Hashem is trying to grow us, we end up missing a piece of ourselves that could be grown and is not grown. We wither this part of our souls because we're not getting the exercise. You go to class and you're not paying attention. You miss the class. The teacher's not teaching it because they're bored. They're teaching it because it's important for education. But Hashem is having us do this. There's some reason for it. Why? What I want to do today is I want to tell you a story. And in the story, and it's really a story of maybe me and you, it could be the story of your children. It could be the story. It, it's the story of, of how all of us live. And in there, I want to explain two concepts. There's a rabbi in Woodmere named Rabbi Rubenstein. He explained this once in a brilliant way. There's a concept in Torah called Yerush Shemayim. We say Yerush is Chachma, Yerush Hashem. Yerush Hashem is the beginning of all Chachma. Low? You still? Really? Okay. I'll scream. I'm too close? Better? This way? Better now? Okay, we're good? Do I start from the beginning? Do I have to, do I have to inform my parents? Because I have to go back to the European stuff? Or are we good with that? We got that part down? Crazy parents? For those in the back, European parents, they're crazy. We live with them, thank God. We're all born to them. Every guy, every kid needs one mom. We can't handle two. We got that? God bless 
So I want to talk today about two, a concept. It's called Yerushimayim. And in there I want to explain that there's two levels, there's really three, two main levels of Yerushimayim. What we call Yira Tata, lower Yira, and Yira Ilah, higher Yira. You see this all the time. We have a word like Yira's Hashem, then we hear Yira's HaOnesh, Yira's HaRomamus. We have different levels of Yira. And I want to explain that there's two different levels of Yira that each of us are going through in our lives. And the journey of life really is the journey of climbing from one level to the next level. When a baby is born, as soon as a baby is born, the baby comes into this world and they bring him into the house. In the beginning, all the baby really is is an ornament, right? You put him on the table, everybody looks at them. Everyone calls a body part. You ever play that game? That was my cheeks, that's your grandmother's knees. Right? The best is when my, my, one of my, 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 mom's, my, my wife is very, very blonde. When our, one of our children were born they, born, they were born literally the spitting image of my wife. Like fair, blonde, like literally like you, you can carbon copy my wife into a baby. So we put them on the table, right? Everybody goes over and claims the body part. She's got your grandmother's nose, right? The whole thing. My grandmother, she walks in, my Bobby, you know, she walks right in. And she, literally, my, the, the, my son was a spitting image of, like literally, like you took my wife's baby picture, it looks like my son. She walks right in and she goes, oh! It's Charlie. It's exact. Can you see? It's exactly Charlie. You know what I'm talking about? It's the whole, I'm like, which one's Charlie? When the babies are first born, they're ornaments. You hope that they stop crying, and all you do is you pass them around, and they live in La La Land. Their feet don't touch the floor, and everyone just looks at them all day. And at some point, they start to grow up. And as they start to grow up, moms, dads have a problem. We got to navigate them in this world. And when they're little, especially if they're boys, they know better than mom at three. And they have a world they want to live. And if you look at life as a parent and as a child, you'll find that most of what we do growing up with our kids is negotiating with them how to keep them around in this world when they think that they know better. You take a three-year-old, he thinks that because it tastes good, it is good. And you, there's too little to understand that I can't explain to you that the food that you're eating because there's so much sugar is going to rot all your teeth. It doesn't work. And moms try. I'm just going to talk. Connie, can I talk to you for a second? Yeah. If you have too much candy, you're going to end up getting cavities. He's like, were you talking just now? Like, were you speaking? I don't know what you're talking about. Can I get more candy? He has no idea. It's not happening because when the kids are very little, they, they can't see consequence. They can't see what's going to happen in the future. The kid doesn't know that if they run into a street, that the ball in front of them is less important than the whole concept of car. They, they can't do that. They're little kids. They don't understand that if they go to the candy man and get 400 bits of candy, that it's not good for them. Even if they throw up, it doesn't matter. The next day, they're back to who they were. There's no long-term memory. There's no analysis when it comes to children. And as soon as a kid becomes old enough, parents are stuck with a problem. I got to navigate this kid through life. How do I do this? What am I going to do? I tried reasoning with them, but they're not reasoning back. So what parents do is parents create a world of consequence. They navigate kids not by what's going to be in the future, not by what's good for them. They navigate kids by a short-term impact. If you're good, then I'll give you. If it wasn't for sugar, we could never raise our children. Sugar is the greatest parent in the world. If you're good, 
It's amazing what a lollipop can do for the development of a child. If you're good, that's why the most important person in the shul is what? Not the rabbis, the candy man, 100%. You get a good candy man, everyone's from. Kids love shul. Kids like, I don't want Shem. Shem is a candy man. If you're, if you're not, as the kids, and if you look at how we raise kids, they go to school. I remember one time I went to, to, to see a school that we sent our son to. And I walk into school, and these kids are screaming and davening. I was like, holy cow. You walk in, they're screaming, amen, yay. I'm like, these are like little Bashemtos. I'm like, I don't believe this school. And all of a sudden, I see like the Rebbe walking by, yay, shmei. And he's like throwing, he's giving, I'm like, what are they giving out? Like, he's giving out tickets. I'm like, they giving out tickets for davening? Yeah. And I go to one of the kids, I'm like, what do you get? He goes, tickets for davening. I'm like, what happens if you get tickets? Like, well, if you get a million tickets, you get to go into Rebbe's closet. I'm like, what's in every closet? Well, you get to pick a soda can. I'm like, but don't you have like soda in the house? They're like, yeah, I didn't think that far ahead. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're not thinking of davening. Look at how we raise kids. Look at the entire day camp system is based on just tickets and prizes. Everything. Why do we do that for? Because the kids can't think about like what's good or bad. It's about whatever the short term impacted. It's called raising by consequence. You do something good, you get a good consequence. Do something bad, you get a bad consequence. And if you see how you navigate the world, you're navigating the world to a child who can't see larger than themselves, who thinks that what I am and what I feel is what's right. Kids walk around their lives and they judge the world by what they sense. If my sensory perception is that it tastes good, it must be good. I'm not developed enough to understand that that which tastes good may not be good. I can't, that's already a higher level of thinking. And so we don't even get them there. We don't even try. And then they get to school. And even in school, school is one large consequence. You do these things right, you get a letter at the end of the year next to your name. And if it's a good letter, everyone's proud of you. And if it's a bad letter, everyone's upset at you. And they bring you into the school and they talk about what's wrong with you. And so kids, especially good kids, they just want people to like them. And if you tell them to take these classes and get these letters, they'll just follow along and take the classes and get the... And if this is important or that's important, it's all just one big world of navigating and growing up through consequence. And if you see the way we raise kids, as they grow up, it's really one large web of we want you to do something and we don't think you understand it at its depth. So instead, we're going to give you consequences and allow you to navigate the world based on the consequences, not based on the thing itself. In psychology, this is called exotelic behavior. The goal is exo, it's exterior. You don't do it for itself. You do it for something else. You got to do math homework, why? Because if you don't do math, you're not getting to this, you're not getting to that, then you won't get to college. You got to do your. You got you to you learn your your, your shirushim. Well, my mommy, I want to go play, but if you don't learn shirushim, you won't know how to do mishnayos. Mishnayos won't get you to Gemara. Gemara won't get you to yeshiva. Then, you, then your sister will never get married, and the whole family's going to go down. So if you play ball now and don't do your shirushim, do you know what's going to be for our family in the future? Kids like, okay, fine, I'll do my shirushim. I don't care about the shirushim. I'm not doing it for itself. That's too complicated. So I'm going to create a whole world of exotelic reasoning, and in that, be able to navigate you through. So if you look into the mind of a child, as they navigate through life, what they're living in is the world of fear or excitement of consequence. 
they navigate life, and what gets them excited is, outside the fun that they do, I'm talking about what you want of them. I almost get my prize if I get the checks on my list. If I do my summer homework, I'm going to get a, a gift card for a Slurpee. They're living their life, and what they're really doing, really, is never getting into, and that's okay, they're only little. They never get into the thing itself. What they're doing is, they're excited or they're worried about consequence. In Hebrew, this is called yiras ha'onesh. There are Jews, like me and you, wonderful, just like wonderful kids, listen this way. And by the way, if you have a kid who doesn't care about consequence, it's a much harder, harder conversation. You have a kid that goes, I don't care about my grade, or I don't care about you, it's more complicated. Halavai, they all follow the checks. How many of you have been to all the moms in the room nodding at me right now? We'll talk later. Speak to my mom. <laughs> this is, I didn't even know consequence until I got, like, you know, much later in life. But at the end of the day, that level is called Yiras HaOnesh. It's important. It's Hushav. A child that does it is, is developing properly. You don't have children that are born that can hop why they're supposed to daven when they're seven. It's a crazy to see. Eight-year-olds, really, many of them, unless they're like, you know, the villain the gun, are supposed to not be able to sit in davening. That's what happens when you're eight and you're a boy. You don't sit in davening. Okay, you got to play the game to get you in it long enough to where hopefully it will make you crazy. But it's normal. But it is what it is. So imagine our little boy grows up. And he's getting consequences all the time. And he's navigating through them. In the eye, in the head, in the mind of that little boy. He's trying to constantly get good stuff, but he can't. So he's got to navigate the world given to him. If he wants prizes, he has to listen along to his rabbi or his mom or his dad. And as he grows up, those little ideas become big ideas. They used to be lollipops, now they're game stations or jerseys. And then they get older, and then they become cars, and then maybe like an extra year or two in their So after they get married, like they just keep the, the price tag and the desire just keeps on increasing. But at the end of the day, if you look into the mind of that child, who could be 20, he could be 50, different story. He's, he could be 20, he could be 15, he could be 10. What he's living is a world of consequence. And his parents, really, or his Rebbe, but let's make it easy, his parents are holding the keys to what he wants. They have the money, they have the candy, they have the permission. They can let him go. They have the car. And he's doing, and that, so it's all subconsciously what he's doing is navigating a world of playing their game to get what he wants. This is how most of the world is raised. In Hebrew, this would be called Yiras HaOnesh. A Jew grows up, and when they're little, you go to school, and it's all appropriate. And it's a halavai. There are a lot of Jews that don't even have this. So if you have it, that's the development of every, everybody has this. If you're a Jew who lives in the world of Hatorah and Halacha, there's a piece of you that lives in the world of Yiras HaOnesh. What that means is, you grow up and somebody tells you, if you do good by Hashem, Hashem will give you good things. And if you do bad by Hashem, Hashem will give you bad things. So don't mess with Hashem. And let me tell you exactly when not to. Yom Kippur, big day. Don't mess with Hashem. August 12th? Ah, listen, you know, it's August 12th. If it falls out on Yom Kippur, seriously. Slechos. Each day, and the more you grow up in this world, people are taught, and it's appropriate. 
There's a system. It's called schar v'onesh. And if you listen for it, you'll see it all the time. This person, he wore tzitzis on Shabbos, and he learned Torah, so he got quadruple schar points at Olam Haba. And if you think about what Olam Haba is, in many cases the way we're, we're taught Olam Haba, really what Olam Haba is, is like when you take your kid, remember when you were taking the kids to like the fair? Anybody ever take the kids to the fair? And you take the kids to the fair and like have like those big uh, fairy, the, 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 the Ferris wheels, you know what I'm talking about? And they have all these games. And the kids are there and they're having the best time. And as they're having the best time, one of the kids realizes that they can get prizes. You ever see this before? They can get prizes. And the, the minute that happens, everything changes. Now they stop going to Ferris wheels. Now they're doing is they're going to find the things that give you the most tickets because they want to get prizes, right? And all the cousins are creating these complicated joint venture structures. So they all can pool their tickets and they stop going to Ferris wheels. Now they're playing that, that dumb game where you like, throw the ball at the thing because that gives you the most tickets. And then at the end, finally, there's like a million. They get all their tickets. They bring it up to the counter, right? They give it to the lady and she's like, 17,000 tickets. It costs like $15,000. 17,000 tickets. You can get a ball. <laughs> Or a notepad, and then it's a fight. A ball, notepad, I hate you, I hate you, I want the ball, I want the notepad. Finally, they get the ball, right? On the way to the car, he drops the ball in the sewer, right? That's how it works. <laughs> you see this again and again. What is Olam Haba? Olam Haba is a real thing. I don't know, well, at the end of time, I'm come to Hashem, he's going to have like a, th- a, 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 oh, Harari, how are you? Okay, put your credit card in. <laughs> okay, get these mini mitzvahs. Okay, you're going to get the sweet. Relax, you're not going to get the sweet. What is that? What is that? You know what that is? That's schar va'onesh. We're telling kids, I know it's not going to be helpful now. You do work, I'm, you're going to get bonus points. You can get candies. Just, you're not going to able to get your candies till later. And a healthy, normal approach in Yiddishkeit. This is totally normal. If you feel this way, welcome to everybody else. You grow up, and you navigate Judaism, and itself doesn't feel that good. I don't like fasting on Yom Kippur. I don't like not wearing that outfit. I don't like not eating that out, that, th- those foods. But, 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 I was told, and I believe, that if I do the right things, Hashem will give me the right stuff. And if I don't do the right things, Hashem's not going to be happy, and that's not good. And there's an enormous amount of truth to that. A, it's true. You do right, Hashem takes care of you. There is Charva Onesh. There is Olam Haba. But many of us live in a world where that's our relationship to Judaism. If we're honest with ourselves, just for a second here today. If we're really honest, that's the extent of it. Like if I would have to look at my Judaism from 1 to 100, 85, 90% is... I want to do good by Hashem. I want Him to be happy. I want to live my life. I want my kids to all get married. I want to have enough money in the house. I need a new kitchen. I'd like to get some extra clothes. But like for the most part, and it, it's, we're deeper than that. I'm just being a little hyperbolic. But really, 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 what's governing my day, what's driving my behavior, is a consequence. And in many cases, which is it's normal, and by the way, in many ways, it's celebrated. That's a great thing. Better that than not. And it's a, yours are ownish, there's a big level in life. If you really have Scharva Onish down, it's tremendous. And our little boy that grew up waiting for lollipops, and then ultimately trying to get his, his game system, and then going to yeshiva and coming back and trying to get the car, 
That little boy grows up and he lives in a world of this world right here. Scharva Onesh. And he plays the game as best as possible. But if you really look into his heart, you know who's in the center of the world of Scharva Onesh? Him. He's trying to navigate a good life for him and his life. And his parents really are those that are holding back or giving what he needs. And many times, and we're all normal, if we could just be straight, if we could be real for a few minutes, that's how we feel about Hashem. Hashem, you can give me whatever I want. You know you can. I don't know why you're not giving it to me already. I'm doing everything right. I'm doing my job. Where are you? We call this, if you heard this before, Amazon.God. I've, I've ordered it. I paid. You need prayer skirts and, and, and whatever. I got it. I heard about a great way to get an extra... I heard about the Black Friday sale. 12 to Hillam and do this. And I, I made chalas. And by the way, it's all real. I'm not taking from it. I just want to grow from it. And if Hashem doesn't deliver for you, you're like, I don't understand. Amazon has Prime. What's taking you so long? It's good. But it's level one. It's level one. Level one is, Hashem stands on top of us. He's the one that gives us stuff. We stand on the bottom. We want stuff. And we know the way we get stuff. Either waiting online like the rest of the nations of the world, but we don't want to do that. We're Jews. We always want to go on the easy pass line. We always, we always go around. It's like when you try to explain to somebody, like when you go like on a Delta flight to Israel and you see those stewardesses and you see the fear that goes in their eyes and you woke up and go, good luck. You tell everybody to sit down. Every time you say sit down, everyone who's Jewish is going to stand up. How we roll. Because if we would listen, we'd all be in a gas chamber right now. That's not how we do things. We got to listen more, 100%. We want, we, want, we, we want to go back door. So we know, we know the back door. To Hillam Davening. And so for so many of us, myself included, let's just be real about it. Our relationship to the Kodesh Baruch Hu is schar va'onesh. Consequence. I know what I need. I know what I want. And in fact, Hashem, I don't know what you're thinking because it's so clear in my mind what I need right now. Like it's crazy to me that you're not giving it to me. Because if you knew what I knew, you'd give it to me. So there's something must be wrong because I got it clear. And you're the one holding it from me. And I got to do whatever I got to do to get it. And I'll do that. Whatever you want me to do. But there's me and then there's you. And our, our little protagonist is growing up, this little boy that grows up in our world. And he's, he's realizing that. And he's growing up in the world and he's getting all this harva onish. And one day this kid, this fake kid that we all have, so to speak, is sitting in his house and he looks out the window and he sees some of the smartest men in business go down to his, down to his front door. He looks out his window and he sees these guys walk up to his door. He's like, who, why are the wealthiest guys in the world? Why is Bill Gates here? Why is Mark Zuckerberg here in this fake story? And they open the door, and he goes up to them and he goes, what are you doing here? And they go, what do you mean am I doing here? Do you know who's here? He's like, yeah, just my dad's in the, in the living room. What do you, what do you, why are you here for? And he goes, your father is the most brilliant businessman in the world. Are you kidding me? We haven't, nobody in Silicon Valley has been a move without him. And this boy, who looks at his father as the one who can give him the car, goes, my dad? Get out of here. And the next day, he looks outside the window and he sees the biggest Rabbanim, the Moetzes Gedola Torah, show up at his front door. And he looks it down and he goes, 
Lechvot Harabanim. Why are you here? And they go, why are we here? Are you kidding? Every time there's a Shiloh, we can't answer. We go ask your father. He goes, my father? Are you kidding? My dad? And the next day, some of the biggest politicians show up. And he goes, why are you guys here? Why are there presidents from different countries? They go, oh my gosh, anytime there's a diplomatic issue, we go to your... My, my father? And in this story, this guy walks down and goes, hey dad? He goes, yes son? He goes, you mind if I hang out with you a little bit? Sure. And this boy starts to trail his dad a little bit. And he starts working for his father. And something amazing happens to his son. In the beginning, he needs stuff from his father. Dad, can I get it? Dad, can I get it? How can I get it? And then over time, he says, Dad, what do you think of this? And he starts realizing that his father, it's not what he can give him. He's actually brilliant. And he asks him another question. He's like, wow. And then one day he walks in and his father is talking to someone on the phone and he realizes that the whole matzah of of, of, of stuff that's taking place in the community it's his father pulling the strings behind the scenes and he's like oh my gosh how did he do that it was awesome and the next day he's sitting with his father and he sees that his father is actually moving the whole world in a way so that it could suddenly accept Hashem more and he's watching his father operate and he's overwhelmed with his father's brilliance and he asks him another question and he hangs out with him more and before you know it a day, a week, a month, a year Our little boy, who once saw his parents as the pathway to get what he wanted, wakes up every morning, and the highlight of his day is not when he gets the car. The highlight of his day is when he has breakfast with his father, and he asks him whatever he wants. He goes, Dad, what should I do with this? And what do you think about this? And I, I was struggling with this. What do you think? The highlight of this boy's day is not whether or not his dad gives him. His highlight of the day is when he was able to drive his father and listen and overhear his father's calls that he makes in the back of the car. And he can't believe half the stuff that he's seeing. And this boy gets married and he has a kid and he's got a family. And week after week, month after month, year after year, what he realizes is that whatever business and home and car, whatever his father could give him, it pales into comparison to one thing, and that is his father himself. The highlight of his day, the greatest possession he has in his life is nothing his father could give him, it's his father. Everything he wants in life is just in that, just to spend more time with that man. And as soon as that happens, there's a new year that pops into his mind. You see, when he was little, he had something called Yiras Ha'onesh, which is the fear of consequence. If I don't, then I won't get it. If I don't do the right thing by them, I'm not going to get the car. If I, and make it more chashim. If I don't do this, they'll be disappointed. At some point, something else comes up. You know what that's called? It's a year that's so subtle. It's so holy. It's so pure. It's called Yiras Ha'chet. Chet doesn't mean sin the way Christians say sin. We live in America, so we take words from Christianity, we think it's ours. Sin is a, is a blemish. Yiddishkeit, chet, means to miss the mark. It's a disconnect. Yiras hachet means I'm going to do something that's going to make me and him disconnected. I'm going to lose my dad. I'm going to say something, and the next day he's going to leave without me. I'm going to do something and that ultimately he's not going to have me. There'll be a day that I wake up in the morning and I can't ride with him anymore. That fear. That feeling. That's not the era that he grew up with. That's not the, that's not the consequence-based era. He's not worried about Scarva Onesh. His father's not going to not give him something. 
He's watching his father operate and going, my father has always been giving me stuff. In fact, when I didn't get it when I was younger, it wasn't because I was trying to maneuver for it. He was setting it up the whole time. He was not giving it to me for me. He's so close to his father that he's watching his father think and thinking, even when I was young and I was trying to maneuver the thing, are you kidding me? I thought I was playing him. He was playing me. He wanted me to be a guy to daven. I thought that candy was important. I didn't know that davening is more important than candy. I thought that the, can- the lollipop is important. No, I know that walking is more important than lollipop. So when my mom holds the lollipop from the kid and says, the kid wants a lollipop, but the mom wants him to walk, as the kid gets older, he realizes that walking actually is more important. They, they would give me the lollipop, but it would make me weak. His year is upgraded to a higher year called Yiri Elah. Yiri Elah means the fear that I have is not that I'm not going to get something for my dad. The fear that I have is I'm not going to get my dad. That's the Yiri Elah. I once had a woman in, in, a, in a lecture in, in Connecticut come to me and say that she was a big attorney. And her father was the she told us a great story. She was a woman, she had boys, she had brothers, and she had to like elbow her brothers out to become the lawyer in the family because her father was like an old school guy. So in his world, the women aren't lawyers, the men are lawyers, but she wanted to be a lawyer. It's a great story. And ultimately, she goes into the law, and she was smarter than the rest of the body. She, like, she, she whipped them into shape. And her father realized in his, in her, in his life that the, the firm was going to make it the best with, her, with his daughter. And his father picked his daughter to be the head of the firm. It was crazy. Show me this whole story. It was awesome. And she said to me, growing up my whole life, all I wanted my father to do was to give me the head of the firm. And I would do everything for that. I'd work hard. I'd work late. I'd prove to him every second. And I was waiting my whole life for him to hand over the mantle of his law firm to me. And then he did. And then he got sick. And then he passed away. She says to me, she goes, if you would tell me that I can trade my entire career forever for one day with my father, my whole career... My whole life, everything I worked for, one more day with that man, I would do it like this. You know what that's called? Yiras chet. Yira ilah. Ava she'eno taloi bedavar. When you're young, it's ava she'taloi bedavar. I love you because you take care of me. How many people say, where is Hashem? You know what that means, where is Hashem in Corona? It means, He's not delivering for me. So if He's not delivering for me, why do I need His existence? Why do I need him for? If there's corona, and he can't get rid of corona like this, if somebody's suffering, why do I need God for? He's not delivering health for me. If he can't give me health, what do I need him for? That's called Ava Shetaloi Bedavar. I love Hashem because Hashem gives me basics. Forget the fancy stuff. Basics. means I would take my whole life, my whole career, my whole firm, and move it to the side just to be with the man just to sit with him just to hold his hand one more time that's called Ava She'enu that's how, that's how parents feel about their little children the kid doesn't have to do anything just be there that's why mothers make us crazy they just want to make sure we're okay because they can't you okay? you okay? you're there? just call me when you're there you're there? call me when you're there? you're there door locked? door's locked Jewish mothers are like, they're like expert at this stuff. That's where Jewish guilt comes from, by the way. We can do a whole class on Jewish guilt later, by the way. Ava she'enu talui bedavar. The moms in this room, when you make your kids nuts, is it for you or is it for them? It's for them. 
You too a little bit. That's a different story. Because the love you have for them isn't work. It's not based on their success. And what a, I believe what a parent wants more than anything in life is a parent wants a kid to wake up one morning, grow up in a world of consequence, and get to love when they go, hey, ma, da, my love for you is now your love for me. You love me for nothing, I love you for nothing. The feeling that a parent has when a kid doesn't need anything from them anymore. That feeling of a kid saying, my love isn't based on getting anything from you. I'm not a kid. I don't need anything from you anymore. My love for you is just because of you. Your existence is all I want in the world. That's called love. The era that you have is the separation from that which you love. Yiras hachet. If you want to look at the way the world works, in my opinion, you can look it into one theme. We are little children that are around for just a few years. And because we're over the age of 20, we think we know more than Hashem. So we say, you don't know what you're talking about. This is too hard. I can't do this. Are you kidding me? Do you know what they're all doing? You know what they're all wearing? How can I, how can, you gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. I gotta, I gotta do what for an hour? You're joking. Because the way we live our lives is we live our lives like children, looking at what feels right, and if it feels right, we think it is right. It feels right to be accepted by my friends, so it must be right to do whatever it takes to get whatever I need to be accepted by my friends. It feels right to not work this hard or not say these Hebrew words. It feels right to be like others. And so I live my life this way, and what Hashem is doing all the time is trying to get us to not be bodies with souls, but to be souls with bodies. He's trying to make us big people that are representing Him in this world. This world that we live in right now is not the world it's supposed to be. We're not supposed to live in a world where the goal of the world is in order to see a body or to have have something. The goal of the world is not materialism. We live in America. America is the capital of materialism. We're not supposed to become more like them, but from? We're supposed to elevate the whole universe. Hashem's like, I'm not trying to make you like them, but just with, with different colors on. You're supposed to be a different Sudman Adam completely. But when we're little, it's hard to explain that to us. We're so little. We're only 50. We're only 70. How old are we? Hashem's infinite. How many years do we have on this world? So Hashem goes, no, no, we'll do consequences. Here's how it's going to work. You do this, I'll give you this. You do this, I'll give you this. Okay, we're good? Do this, I'll give you stuff. You will. You give me this, scharva onish, scharva onish, consequence. But you know what Hashem is doing? He's up in Shemaim, you know what he's doing? He's saying, Can I please have a Jew that looks up in the morning and goes, You know what, Hashem? You're actually the most brilliant person in the world. I'm going crazy about this speaker or this guru or this thing that I think they're so smart. You have all the wisdom. There's nobody smarter than you. I want you in my life more because, oh my gosh, wait, hold on a second. I just spent a half an hour looking at the way you run this world. It's, abs- it's, it's brilliant. You know, Victor Miller had no time. Victor Miller was one of the greatest tzaddikim in the past generation. You know what Victor Miller did half his day? He'd walk down the street, he'd spend a half an hour in a fruit stand looking at an apple. He wasn't too busy. 
one of the biggest rabbis of all time. You know what he was doing? He was like, wait, 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 hold on. I'm listening, I'm sitting in the front listening to my father in the back run the world going, this is how you built the world? Hashem wants us to walk around and go, wait, 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 I'm trying to get something from you? Get something from, I'm trying to get something from you? I, what in the world can you give me? You're the creator of humanity and you're my dad. Like, hold on a second. The whole world, I drove up this morning, the, the clouds and the sky and the whole universe, they're all psycho. The whole world's killing each other. And the only reason why I can go to bed at night is because I know that you're going to take care of me. Wait, the whole world's crazy and our little country called Israel is somehow surviving? Wait, the whole world is totally gone and our people walk through Auschwitz and somehow we come into this world, into America, and after one or two generations, we're like running the place? How is that possible? How does a Jew show up anywhere in the world and go to any shul in the world and be one of their people? You know, sometimes I travel with somebody who's not Jewish. He's like, where are you going? I'm like, to the shul. He's like, why? I'm like, because I know people. He's like, who do you know? We're in like Idaho. I'm like, I know. I walk in. Oh my God, you know somebody? I pull something off the shelf. He's like, how are you connected? I'm like, you don't know what it's like to be us. You know what it's like to be us. A friend of mine lost his, his, his wife. You know who came to help him? Two people. Two people showed up. Someone had got a tragedy in our community? Where did this come from? Who came up with the system? Who, when did this start? How do we have a nation that stands together, locked arm in arm, take care of each other, beats every opponent? How do we do? We're, we're part of all of this. We turn to Hashem and go, I'm going to need something from you? Like as if you're not giving it to me? I'm davening on your kipper for my kids? They're your kids. You gave me those kids. I'm saying, oh, please, Hashem, please, Hashem, take care of my children. Please take care of my children. As if like, Hashem's like, I don't think so. Unless you daven harder. If you don't daven harder, I'm not taking care of your kids. You're like, what, are you kidding me? Hashem's like, are you kidding? Scharf Onesh? You're 50 years old. Scharf Onesh? We're still doing this? What do you have more important than me? I'm your father. I'm everything. Sit in the front of my car. Watch the way I run this world. Just stop for a second. Just see the world work. See what we have. See what you have. You don't even realize what you have. Your kids can walk into a supermarket at six years old and not eat, coach, not eat candy because it's not kosher. Who has strength like this? We have Torah. We have a way to connect to the entire universe. We have Masora. You see a little kid singing like Yaakov and Esav were two brothers. They didn't look alike. Yaakov loved to learn all day and Esav loved to fight, fight, fight. And you're like, I sang that song. There's a Masora. Who has this? They have the Yankees. We have everything. We're the greatest nation of humanity. And we're like hawking Hashem for something. And we all do it. It's okay. It's okay. It's, it's level one. Hashem's like, don't live in level one. Whatever I can give you pales in comparison to me. I can give you me. Because if you want me, you'll have me. And once you have me, what else in the world is going to be as good as me? What more brilliance can you ask for? What in the world can you possibly get than a connection to me? You know who had this? You ever wonder who becomes the, so to speak, the Mashiach? What are the qualities of the Mashiach? We don't know who the current Mashiach is. We, had a, we have had, have, David HaMelech. What made David so great? Was he, he, was a, he was a big time of But what was, David's, what was David's secret? What was it? What made David so great? If you want to see the moment that I believe made David David HaMelech, David HaMelech did something with Bathsheba. All the Mepharshim say it wasn't an actual sin. We can have a whole shir on this. Either way, Nasan Hanavi walks in and says, you sinned. You know what that means? 
that means you're going to lose your malucha. And it was a big one, meaning it was an adultery, suicide, murder. It was big. That means there's going to be a reputational risk. Your kids, their shaduchim, the family, ostracized. Bungal colony, you can forget about. <laughs> the whole thing. You forget about the whole thing, really. You've got to move to Israel and then disappear. You know what David says? His whole life is on the line. All the consequences he wanted in life. Every consequence in the world he wanted. To be king. To be successful. Everything he wants in life is now on the line. David turns to Nelson Hanavi. And if you want to see, by the way, take the time if you can. It's so wonderful. If you say to Hillam, go to Nun Aleph. Nun Aleph is what David says after he hears, Bavol Allah Nelson Hanavi. That's the one. If you read that slowly, I'm telling you, it's worth a half an hour of your time. It's so... You, all the secrets in life, honestly, about what I mean, David Hamalk right there. If you look at that thing, he doesn't ask for anything. You know what David asks for? Leave Tahar Barley Kim, he says. You gave me a heart. What does a Tahar heart mean? It means I can, I can connect to you. You gave me a Ruach. It's me and you. We're, 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 we're in love. What does he ask for? I ask for one thing, Hashem. What does he ask for? I'll touch the chin of the no, 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 no. You know what that's called? Yerushachet. Don't leave me. No, 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 no. Take my, take my kingdom. Don't leave me. Ruchkachicha al tikach mimeni. Do not take you. Don't. The ahava that I have for you is not totally on anything. The year that I have is called Yerushachet. What I'm scared. Of course, I have scarva onish in my life. Of course, I believe Hashem gives me. Of course, that's not a negative. It's the building block. But you know what David says? You know what I care most about? Me and you. Me and you. And by the way, in my humble opinion, I'm a nobody. I think that's why he's the greatest. Why he's not the greatest. You can't compare. Why he's Melech HaMashiach. Why he's Melech HaMashiach. Because when Hashem says, you can do anything in this world if you get this. We live in a world and we think that if we're not brilliant, if we don't know all the Torah by heart, if we're not seminary teachers, if I have all my tithes, guess what? You could be a regular human being with all your stuff. You want a relationship with the Kaddish Baruch Hu, you're in David's camp. Level two. Yiras Hachet. And if you want to see Gullus, in my opinion, if you look at the story of Klal Yisrael, through, this, through the ages, what caused the Gullus? Look closely at the story, you will see the same exact theme. Klaisel comes out of the midbar, they stand before Kodesh Baruch Hu on Har Sinai. I'm almost done, two more minutes, see me through a minute. On Har Sinai, they stand before the Kodesh Baruch Hu, Moshe comes down, they're serving the Egel. And we think, you know why they get in trouble? Because of the Egel. Guess what? If you look at the Pesukim, you'll see, and I believe it's the Swanner, you see. Guess what? Moshe knew about the Egel in heaven. We spoke about it this year, a couple years ago in this room. Because Hashem said, Hashem said that they're doing the Egel. Moshe comes down with the Egel in his mind. Why does he break the Luchos for? Because when he gets closer, he sees something else. You know what he sees the Jews doing? Dancing in circles. And he goes, you're dancing? I understand you served the Egel. You thought I was dead. The sun played a trick on you. You're a young nation. You always kept the Vodazara. And now, I'm lost. You're going to go back to your old ways. I get it. You're dancing? What, if you're dancing, you know what that means? If you're dancing because your husband's dead, you know what that means? You never want to be married in the first place. Kaisal goes into Canaan. The Miraglim come out. What do the Miraglim say? They don't come to the Kodesh Baruch and go, Hashem, how are we going to take Canaan? We want to go in there so badly. Help me. What do they say? Let's get a, whole, a new leader. Let's go back to Mitzrayim. I'm Hashem says, you're going back to Mitzrayim? We have a Tochacha. After all the Tochacha, what does the Kodesh Baruch say? Why am I giving the Tochacha for? 
Hashem goes, I just want your heart. You just go through the motions. You need, you need, you need some, 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 what do you need, a gold coin from heaven? Okay, I got it. Here's your gold coin from heaven. Good Nick. How many years are doing this? I want a couple of people to stand up and go, Hashem, I want you. I want you. If I have you, klum, chaser, beves, hamelech. If I have you, I have not, I'm not missing anything. If I can understand how you run the world, what am I lacking? The story of Gullus and Geula is not the story of doing the right thing for a consequence. The Jews were from in Bias Shani. They were keeping, not all of them, but they were keeping Torah and mitzvahs. The story of Gullus and Geula is do you want to be married to Hashem or not? It's not a punishment, it's a consequence. If your husband gets you a card for your birthday and then signs the bottom, love you, you're like, wait, what, what about the rest of the writing? Like, no, no, the, the, the Hallmark person writes it much better. Anyone have this before? You know the story of the rabbi and the flowers? We did this one quickly and then I'll be, I'm going to tell you one more. One was like, right? The, wife, the husband comes home and goes to his wife. This is going. The husband comes to the wife and goes, why are you upset for? She goes, any, did they remind you of anything? She, he's like, no, what's today? She goes, I don't know, 20 years ago or anything? He goes, Tuesday? I was wearing white. He's like, not drawing a blank. Drawing a blank. She goes, our anniversary. He goes, oh, happy anniversary. She's upset. He goes to the rabbi. He goes, I can't deal with my wife. What's the matter? I don't, it happened a long time ago. What is she making me crazy for? I said, happy anniversary. He goes, she's a woman. Can you make her feel like a woman? Because what do I do? She goes, go to the flower store and buy the biggest bouquet of flowers you can buy and give it to your wife for her anniversary. He goes, Rabbi, not only are you a scholar, you're a gentleman. He goes to the flower store. He buys the biggest bouquet of roses he can find. He goes to the house. He knocks on the door. She opens the door and he goes, here, the rabbi told me to buy these for you. <laughs> you think the Kodesh who's looking for the, for, for, for the Modani in between laundry? It's nice, better that than nothing. The story of Gullus and Geula is a story of Jews waking up and saying, I have level one, Baruch Hashem. I want to go to level two. I want to reach a point in my life before I die that I am in love with you, Hashem, for you. This is called Nafshi Cholas Avasecha. This is by Wallerstein in who he was. Rabbi Wallerstein lived in love with Hashem all the time. That's why he was unstoppable. Because when you live with Hashem, you're unstoppable. I can't even, I, and again, I can't count, I can't imagine about the Wallersteins. How many times he told me, Nafshi Choylas Avasecha. Hashem, I'm lovesick for you, he would say. I'm lovesick for you. He wasn't using Hashem to get stuff. He wasn't worried that Hashem wasn't giving him something, so he didn't dive in. He lived his life. Him and Hashem were, were bound together. It, the greatest gift Hashem could give him is him. That's the level. That's what we're doing, by the way. And if you want to know why it's so weird during this period of time, in my opinion, why is it so off and weird and strange? And we feel like a little like, don't go, go, don't go swim and don't drive. You know why? Because I think, you know what's really going on? Hashem is telling you, you know what the anniversary of our separation is? The Tishabav. Hashem's always in the world, but He was in the world physically. 
in the Beis Hamikdash. You know the Medrash says that any time the Jews and Hashem were close, the Kruvim would face each other. And whenever they weren't close, the Kruvim would go back to back. When the Romans came into the Beis Hamikdash to destroy it, they saw the Kruvim facing each other. And they asked, why are the Kruvim facing each other for? It's when everything is good with Hashem, the Kruvim face each other. And when things are bad, the Kruvim are against each other. It's the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash. Why they face each other? You know what the answer is? Because they were saying goodbye. Hashem is turning to Klai's own saying, I'm, I'm leaving, I'm leaving. No, you can always have me, but you're not going to have me like you have me. I'm not going to be with you like I was with you once. I want to say goodbye. Tesh above. is that we turn to the Kodesh and go, I don't want you to go away. I don't want you to leave. This world doesn't work without you. I'm not happy with a bungalow and, and a dress. I'm not. I'm not happy with health and happiness. I'm not happy with all the stuff that I want. My aspirations in life is not health, happiness, and stuff. I don't want that anymore. You know what my aspiration in life is? The whole world bows to you. That's my new dream. You know what my aspiration in life is? I want the whole... You think I want to go to Times Square and see the biggest... I want to see Yud Kevavke on every single billboard. You think I like being in like little circles of Jews... Like you drive through the world and like you go to one little pocket then you go to this neighborhood then you eat in this restaurant. You think it's fair to the whole world? Doesn't even, you think Hashem is fair to Him? He makes a whole world and they spit on Him? I don't want that anymore. Hashem, I want you here. 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 I'm not going to go with my whole life and be okay with the little crumbs you give me called physical living. I'm not going to be happy anymore until you give me you. Nafshi cholas avasecha. Hashem says, you want to know what life's like without me? Watch during the nine days. I leave an iota. Hashem pulls back a drop. What's happening in the nine days? Hashem's going, the mazel, I'm pulling it back. It's not, it's not really getting pulled back, because Hashem's always here. A little bit. Just a little feel Hashem's not with us. Don't go swimming. Don't get in the car. Don't drive. Because you know what a Jew feels all day? They don't, we don't even realize it. We don't even appreciate it. Just the way a kid doesn't appreciate what it's like to be in a house, and mommy and daddy put food on the table, and the, and the house is cool. You think a kid's like, oh, wow, how much was the air conditioning bill this week? You think they think that? They just wake up. You think a kid knows that when you open a fridge, it's not full? It's amazing how kids today... But anyone who grew up in a world where, gro- where grocery stores were not all kosher? Anyone live out of town still? Now, you ever see a kid going to a grocery store? They think that if it's in a grocery store, it's kosher. Because they grew up in a world where everything's kosher. We live in a world and we take Hashem almost for granted. He's always with us. If I need Him, I'll just dive in. I can always fight Israel and speak to a gadol. Nine days, Hashem goes, really? Really? Watch this. Watch. I'm going to shift it a drop. Not even a lot. Just a little bit. How do you feel now? You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. what's going on? What's that feeling? I don't like it. Lock the doors. Shem goes, you know what that feeling is? Me. Feels good to have me in your life. No? This is not even the half of what you can have. Welcome to Teshubov. You sit on that floor. And by the way, you sit on the floor, you know what you should be thinking? I'm not happy with what what is right now. I want more of you, Hashem. I'm not living my whole life and my aspirations is more consequences from you. You're not Amazon.god. I should have yours own. It's a big schuss. It's a big level. I'm not, I'm not going to be satisfied with yours own in my life. I'm done with that. And when a Jew sits on the floor and says, I want more of you, you know what that's called? Gaguim. I'll end with this piece. For those of you with me, you can't, get through this, you can't go through B'nai Mitzvah without Nesiv Shalom. It's impossible. Nesiv Shalom, Nesiv Shalom. Okay, here it goes. I want, I, I, and I'll end with this. One of the great mistakes we make in life is we think that because I'm not like the, the, the biggest tzaddikess, 
what am I going to do? I'm a regular person. Yeah? Watch. The desire, the gagum are like the, 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 the heart pains. Wanting something is bigger than even having it. Or it. You ready? You want to know how you build the base Hamigdash? You know where it begins from? You know where the base Hamigdash starts from? It starts with a bunch of regular Jews saying, I want you. You know what's built? It's built on the power of the desire of Klal Yisrael. They're sitting in Golas and they're saying, okay, fine, thank God they're not chasing us for five minutes. I'm not happy. It's good. I'm not happy. I'm not, it's not enough. It's not enough. Through this feeling, you don't got to be a Tzadikas. You don't got to be a Rebbitzin. You're a regular human being that sits on the floor of Tisha and goes, Hashem, I'm not happy. I want more. I want you. That, Mamshichim as Binyanenu Beis HaMikdash. That's what builds the Beis HaMikdash. Kasher Yehudi Shor B'Tachas HaMariris. When a Jew is sitting in, in that feeling of bitterness. Ha'or Elokis Shair Beis HaMikdash Humalish Dakus Lazeh when a Jew says, I want more, that feeling of a Jew that says, I want more, you can imagine, pulls down the light from Hashem that brings the Beis HaMikdash. Me and you are in a generation that I believe we could actually bring something magical. The Yitzhahara is telling us, relax. They're not killing you. Enough. Be happy. Then I see Vishal Masikam saying, no, 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 no. Tishabov comes in and says, do not settle. The greatest gift you have is Hashem Himself. And if we could desire that and want Him in our lives, Hashem will look down and say, I'm coming. You know, in the Six-Day War, all the, when, they, 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 when they captured the, the Kotel, all the paratroopers ran to the Kotel. And they went and they started to cry. And there was one paratrooper who was a real um, kibbutznik, who had no Judaism. And he sat in the back and he just stood there. He had no connection to the Kotel, just a regular wall. After 10 minutes, he comes running up to the wall and he starts to cry. And all the Sanchanim friends say, what are you crying about? You're not religious. And he says the famous line, many of you know. He says, Ani bocheh, almasha ani bocheh, ani lo bocheh. You know why I'm crying? Because I'm not crying. That's how I feel on Tishabov. That's how I feel on Tishabov. I'm like Hashem, there's something wrong with me. I'm sitting in Gaulus and I'm not crying. I am crying because I am not crying. If we do that, I think we're going to shake the world up. Rabbi Wallerstein lived as someone who went to the wall and cried. Not all of us are Rabbi Wallerstein. Just a fact. They said, I'm sending our Wallerstein shoes. I'm not even taking the front part of our Wallerstein shoes. The, my feet aren't big enough to ever sit in his shoes. But each of us are here, which is a gift in life that we better start appreciating. And you stand before Hashem this week, and you tell Hashem, I'm not settling. It's you that I want. And if I don't feel it, I am upset. I'm bocheh, shani lo bocheh. How do I do it when this will end? I'll give you homework if you want it. 
You know how you get close to Hashem? You focus on Him. You see the greatness in everything in your life. You're a mom, you're a, you're a friend, you're a daughter. Anytime you feel love or pain, see where Hashem would feel that. And if you want a trick or a reminder, every day we say, Hashem should bring our eyes. Well, guess what? If we want our eyes to see the Beis HaMikdash, we need to start focusing our eyes now on building it. From now until Rosh Hashanah. How long is that? Two weeks. Two, two months. I'm giving you homework. You say, Stop. And say, Hashem, focus my eyes on you. I don't feel it. My eyes. Focus my eyes on Binyan, on what it means to be a Jew that wants to be Samitash. This Tisha B'av, wherever you are, when you say, Nachim, take a minute and tell Hashem, I don't feel it. It's normal. This is a long galas. It's been a long time. We're happy just to be alive. But I want to feel it. I'm crying that I'm not crying. Help me, help me feel it this year. And maybe if we just every day ask Hashem to focus our eyes on the right thing, and maybe this Tisha B'Av, we're not hoping that it's over so quickly. In fact, our tzaddikim said that the whole world is based on Tisha B'Av, your whole year. Tisha B'Av is the Rosh Hashanah of Rosh Hashanah. Tisha B'Av is the day that you get to be alone with, with the person you love who left. It's the yard site. The bagels, will, we'll, we'll get the bagels. I guarantee you, we'll make up the carbs. We know how to do that. Nachum will come. Don't run through this week. Don't run through this week. Tell Hashem how much we need Him. And by the way, this is your Mesorah more than it's mine. This is your stuff. This is Miriam's business. The ladies did this for the men in, 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 in Mitzrayim. The guys just got dragged along. This is women's stuff. Maybe that's why. Maybe. Or Nava began on Tisha B'Av with women. Because the person who I know in my life that represents this more than anyone in the world is Rabbi Wallerstein. On the day that Hashem needs you with the people that are supposed to bring Geula, God knew exactly what He was doing. And it's on us to carry the metal. My bracha to this awesome crowd is that we do not end our lives in Golas. And Mashiach should come in our days. And when he comes, my bracha to each of you individually, is that when Mashiach shows up and you wait online like everyone else to say welcome, he looks you in your eyes and says, thank you for bringing me. Because in a world that nobody remembered me, you didn't forget about me. You should be so zocha. So should I and my family. And together we should see a time where we see the Binyan Beis HaMikdash with Hashem in this world and the Arabi Amin. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.